welcome to Politics and Psychology. I'm Dr. Renee Carr, and please introduce yourself in the chat or on social media. Today, we are talking about how science is lying to you. And for this to not be a one-sided or a one-time conversation, then as always, please remember to leave your thoughts or comments or questions in the chat and comment section below. So unfortunately, yes, you are being lied to and frequently lied to. And although it has become common for us to expect our politicians to lie to us or for even social media monitoring to lie to us, it should not be normal or common for our doctors to lie to us, nor should it be acceptable for the research that doctors use or that anyone you trust to give you advice, recommendations, products, treatments, etc., for them to rely on lying research or lying science. And the way that this happens is that research is being manipulated itself or the research is being manipulated in how it's explained to you. So let me just give you a brief example because this is a new thing that's coming up, which is CBD. So if you use CBD products and you use them topically, meaning they're on top of your skin or in your hair, so they're not actually going into your body, there's a lot of products and marketing showing or it's saying that, oh, use the CBD lotion and it's going to help heal you. But there's actually no healing properties in any topical CBD products. And the reason for that is that if you look at the molecular level of CBD, so molecular meaning the molecules, looking at it you know, under a microscope, at the molecular level, at the molecular level of CBD, then the molecules are way too large to be absorbed into your skin. Yet CBD lotions, makeup, and even oils and shampoos are being marketed almost every day now, especially with legislation allowing marijuana to be legal in most states. But from a marketing perspective, CBD is also being recommended and being uh, promoted to even children with ADHD to your grandparents, these lotions and topical treatments. But this is a manipulation because CBD cannot be absorbed into the skin. But companies are making money off of this and they're using science to trick you. They might even go so far as saying, well, 60% of the persons who use this lotion reported a decrease in arthritis or a decrease in stress. But what they're not telling you is that one, there is no medicinal properties of topical CBD. And two, whenever they use those studies to give you that percentage of people who are claiming to have felt better or had healing from it, they're not also telling you that that was a placebo effect. And a placebo means that like in the olden days, they might call it like a sugar pill, but a placebo means that individuals who are told they are given a treatment, they will then believe in their own mind, okay, well, I was given a treatment and therefore I feel better. So they're not explaining to you that people might've said that they felt an improvement in their symptoms, but those reports were actually false because the product itself, which was the CBD lotions, et cetera, could not have in any way, any medicinal properties for it. So that's just one way. And this is another example of um, the same type of manipulation, and that's in collagen. So if any of you ladies are using collagen on your eyes or any type of thing on your body, on your face, then similarly to the CBD, 
collagen molecules are also way too big to be absorbed into the skin. But many dermatologists and skincare companies are promoting their products, their collagen products, their collagen lotions, etc., to go on top of the skin as being effective. But in actuality, there is no way that the collagen can even be absorbed. Now, in both CBD and collagen, by the way, if in case you do need to use any of these, it's really only the oral supplements that have any treatment effects of healing or getting rid of wrinkles, anti-aging, etc. And I do have an episode on marijuana and CBD coming up, so I'll give you a lot more information on that episode as well. But if you're interested in the anti-aging benefits for the collagen supplements, then if you do look for products that have only the hydrolyzed collagen peptides, and to be more specific, it should be marine hydrolyzed collagen peptides for it to have any effect. But back to what we're actually talking about, uh, the science being manipulated. So when it comes to science lying to you, there are two main ways that the lies are being manipulated or where the lies are being birthed from. One, manipulation and how the research was conducted. And two, lies used to explain the research data. So let's examine these two types of lies in science. When you look at the manipulation in the research, the lie typically happens when the researcher or the research group, they begin, meaning they start off from the beginning of their research, already having a biased motivation for a particular end result, meaning they already have an idea of what they want their results to show or what they want the study to say. For example, if I had the motivation to prove that chocolate, obviously, should be eaten for breakfast, and I just happen to have a cereal company that's sponsoring or paying for my research, then I may manipulate the type of research study that I conduct so that I get the results that I want so I can get the money that I want from that cereal company. I will manipulate other science to help me prove the point that I'm trying to have, which is chocolate should be eaten for breakfast. So this is an example of how this may go and it happens often. I could use one source of science data that shows the benefits of dark chocolate having serotonin and how serotonin, which is a neurotransmitter in your system, how it helps to increase positive mood. Then I could combine that serotonin study with a second separate scientific study that happens to show that when children who are diagnosed with ADHD, when they eat breakfast, they have less hyperactivity in school. So in a manipulation type of frame of mind, then what I would do is I would add both of those studies together and then I would then use valid data from those studies And I would then make my own claim. And I would say, research has shown that eating our chocolate cereal will help children with ADHD focus better in school. So do you see how I did that? And that's often what happens. People may be taking very valid research data and outcomes, adding them and twisting them for how they want it to be seen so they can then support their own product 
further research or just to increase sales. And this is called bias. So you can have a backed by science claim that they may say, or they may even say with proven research, but the lie that they are leaving out is that they only used research that would support what they wanted and they did not appropriately or from an unbiased expert way use the other data in a way to in an unbiased scientific research study give you results that you could truly count on. <clears throat> they are also leaving out the fact that they only used some research or some outcomes or only the evidence that would specifically prove or disprove exactly what they wanted to prove or disprove. And again, this is called selection bias or research bias. Another type of bias happens when you have a research study or you have research outcomes and you're supposed to have what's called a peer review oftentimes. But what usually happens in this so-called peer review process it's supposed to be a way of having a selection of your professional peers who are experts in the industry, and they are not supposed to have any connection to the scientists conducting the research or the researchers in that main group. But when the main group of researchers doesn't really want the truth, then they will handpick the peers whom they already know and who they also know also believe or could benefit from that data being shown to be a specific outcome. And so this is similar to you having friends, best friends, giving a recommendation for you for an award, for a job, et cetera. And so when you have your own peers reviewing your work and you have a connection personally to those researchers or to those peers, then of course they're going to validate and co-sign or endorse whatever you are saying. And when you do this, this creates a precedence of false research now appearing to be valid. Now there is a new example of how this false peer research is being used and it's being used to support the genital removal surgeries on children. So when you look at these studies that hospitals and some political leaders are using to justify these surgeries, then what you will see is that these studies were quote unquote peer reviewed by individuals who are already connected with or advocating for transgender persons. And so when you see this, they are already motivated personally to support whatever that research is to support subsequently the genital removal surgery on the children. What you will also see is that these reports are leaving out the other science data and the other empirically unbiased reports that show how children develop, that also show that children do not have the psychological ability or enough physical brain development to make long-term effective decisions. So obviously you're quite aware of how I feel about gender surgeries being conducted on children who are not really able to give consent. But what I'm trying to show you is that even if I don't believe or support that, what I am supposed to do as a scientist is to look at what are the 
actual scientific evidence, the long-term or the longitudinal studies of these surgeries, and then also adding into that the psychological and biological studies, and then comparing that based off the data, not my opinion. And I'm also not supposed to then go get peers who also, like me, don't believe in conducting these gender surgeries on children. For it to be a truly valid study and to provide the most impact and the most good to everyone, not just my group of peers that I'm handpicking, then you have to then pick a random sample of peers with whom you have no connection or who I have no connection to and who's not giving me any funding or any type of support. So that's how you're supposed to conduct the research, especially when it comes to peer reviews. You gather in all the information, and if, it, if you find out that what you thought was true is not true, you have to say that, and you have to also show what showed up to be true. But what's happening when science is lying to you is that they are not telling you the truth, and they're only giving you exactly what they want to hear, and they're only giving you that little snippet of the results that fits their already pre-planned agenda or their motivation. And by selectively picking research and deliberately leaving out other science and even by writing a research article and then having it reviewed by a biased panel of peers, then what happens is that you now have a research article that is being promoted and marketed as valid. And then that supposed valid research study is now being used to make medical recommendations, legislative changes, or even requirements for school or even for your job. Now, the second most common type of lie in science is using lies to explain the research. And this is done by, one, not including all of the outcomes of the research study and telling only limited facts. It's done by manipulating the percentages, saying, for example, well, 80% of the users reported, but then not also admitting that there was only five people in this study. So yes, it was 80%, that was only four out of five people, and five is not enough to then say, now we can take this product to market, and this is something that everyone must do as a valid treatment. Another clue about being lied to in the research is when anyone or any product uses the term, according to research, but in actuality, no research was done. Or the research was done, but that research only included a few scientific studies and they were chosen from a biased selection process. Another lie is not admitting that their method of research was really based on only opinion or survey and not actual research experiments. And that whenever you do an opinion or a survey, that can always change and it's not actually scientific. Another lie is exaggerating the visual charts for the data to look so much bigger than what it actually is. So you might have only a 2% difference, but if they draw that chart so that the 2% looks like it's three inches taller then the 1%, then you're going to have an automatic visual interpretation of it being a very significant difference. 
and the visual image is often manipulated to lie and misrepresent any actual differences in what they're researching. Another lie or common use of lying is making the research data or the report confusing. And they do that by using such a high amount of technical language that only another group of researchers in that same field on that same study will actually know what they're talking about. And when it comes to research, it should be easy enough when you're looking for a product, a medication, a treatment, even if it's a product purchase for clothes. However the research is done, it should be easy enough for the everyday person to understand. And then if they want to, they can go deeper into the scholarly research article, but it shouldn't be that complicated. So very confusing language in a product brochure is a clue that you are being lied to. Another example is also using fake videos or fake experiments to justify your findings or observations or even going so far as exaggerating the story of the research that was conducted or making such a, an emotional claim to have a scientific problem and you're only using that exaggeration to play on the emotions of the readers, the funders, et cetera, so that you can get a great story for policy, proposal changes, funding, or for votes. And then lastly, instead of only lying in some areas or lying by leaving out the facts, there is the use of completely false scientific claims. And this is often done by falsifying the credentials of the researcher or the research team and that they may have no expertise to actually make these scientific claims. Um, they might have researchers who have some expertise, but not all or they have expertise in a completely different field. So an example of that is you have a research report and it has under the name of the research and the title of this um, article that'll say doctor, but the doctor's expertise is actually in a different field. That would look like a person who has a doctorate in dentistry writing a report for marital advice and putting doctor there and that's misleading because you're thinking that this is a doctor in marriage and marital therapy when actually they only know how to probably <laughs> make sure you don't get cavities. So that's one example. And of course, on a bigger lie, when the researcher has only an honorary doctorate certificate, and you know how I feel about that, but they're publishing articles or even writing books and then using the title doctor and then adding research to it. That obviously is misleading because it's implying expertise that the person doesn't have and therefore persons can buy it making conclusions about whatever that person wrote inside that article or that research report and believing that it's actually um, based off of a person who has real credibility to do that. So how can you tell when science is lying to you? And here are a few ways you can spot a scientific lie. One, if you are buying a product that claims to be backed by science, then read what the science really is. You can check the number of participants, patients, or people, or whoever they're saying completed this product or this test or this treatment, and you can see if the percentage is being exaggerated. So 90%, the dot does not always mean 
90%, meaning that in my example of the 80%, it might be 80% of the people thought that they felt improvement, but it was really only four people. So look at the actual number and not the percentage. Also, check to see how many times the study was conducted. If a study is not done more than one time, then this is a clue that there really is no science behind this product or treatment. Two, see if the company has any political, government, or financial associations that have a strong connection to the research data, the researchers individually, or the agency conducting the research. And this leads us into hint number three. See if there are any obvious conflicts of interest. For example, if a researcher is conducting a study on male sexual health, and that study is fully funded by a company that just also happens to sell medication for erectile dysfunction, that's a big clue that there is a conflict of interest because there will be a strong pressure on the researcher to have a specific outcome in order to keep getting the research funding. So look for any conflicts of interest. Number four, you can also look at unbiased research reviews such as consumerlab.com. And I will include this link along with a few other ones for you in the YouTube description of this episode. Five, when reading a research report or article, check the credentials of the researcher or author. Don't assume that because they are in a medical journal, that they really have the qualifications to be there. Or don't assume that because they have the title doctor or expert, that they truly are a doctor or an expert. And I don't want to get too nerdy for you, but if you can, it would be super great if you can review the method of the study that is giving you this information or giving you this data to try to encourage you to believe in what they're saying. If you could look on the back of the box or on the research insert paper or on the research article itself, if you can see if the data came from a meta-analysis or a randomized controlled trial, then that would be super great. And it would be even better in seeing if the science that you are believing is a truth or a lie. And you could definitely always count on me to give you the truth, even if it's something that I don't agree with. So that does end our time for today. But please remember to continue our conversation and to do so using science and love. Walk the path of life. And if you run to